We are glad that, that you are here. I thought I would uh, make an announcement for you, and, and uh, this is, uh, we'll make a, a formal announcement, I guess, Sunday morning. Uh, but I thought you would like to know that uh, this morning, uh, Brother Mark Thomas, uh, who has been coming the last couple of weeks, he uh, asked to speak to me, and uh, he wishes to be restored. And he has wandered away from the body of Christ and he wants to come back and, and he wants to be a part of this congregation. And so we prayed this morning and, and like I said, we'll, we'll make a formal announcement about it Sunday morning. Um, but I thought you would like to know that, that uh, he did uh, respond to the Lord's invitation. Our lesson for this evening goes back to our walk through the Bible. And we are studying the books of Moses. And we have gotten through Genesis kind of in a maybe a little bit of a hurried manner. Uh, we're just kind of skimming over, picking out some different things that we can learn from. And so tonight we are ready for the book of Exodus. So far in, in what we've been discussing, we have looked at creation. We have looked at uh, people such as Noah and Abraham and the faith that they had. We have looked at the lives of Jacob and in particular we spent a lot of time on the life of Joseph and there's a great deal to be learned about all of those. To refresh our memory a little bit I wanted to pick up in Genesis 42 and just look at, at two or three different things from the book of Genesis and then we'll, we'll get into our study of the book of Exodus. We begin with Israel and Egypt, and, and we know that Israel did dwell in Egypt. Of all of the, the things that transpired because of the famine, we see that Jacob sends his sons to Egypt for food. And in Genesis 42, beginning with verse 1, it says, When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there, that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. And we know that there was a, a series of events that, that happened. They were sent back. They were asked to bring Benjamin with them. They did not know who Joseph was. But how interesting that he was the one that was over the food that he provided for his father's people. Joseph, revealing himself to them, tells them to bring his father to Egypt. And the Jacob agrees. Jacob wants to see his son. The son that he, he long thought dead was alive. And in Genesis 45, we read in verse 25. Genesis 45, verses 25 through 28. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan, to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is alive, is still alive, and is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. 
Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. We recognize the joy of, of this occasion. And so Jacob, Israel, we find, comes to Egypt. The Israelite people are established in Egypt. However, we see that Jacob refused to be buried there. In Genesis 47, beginning with verse 27, So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the length of Jacob's life was one hundred and forty-seven years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. Joseph likewise refused to be permanently buried in Egypt. Genesis 50 verses 24 through 26. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being one hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Though Israel dwelt in Egypt, Egypt was not to be their permanent home. God had something else in mind for His people. Joseph could see it by faith. And he instructed them to carry his bones out of Egypt. Because it was not his home. And this really just sets the stage for what we are beginning with tonight. As we begin looking at the book of Exodus, we begin reading of Moses the Deliverer. And the fact that Israel came to Egypt and was dwelling in Egypt sets the stage for what happens, what transpires in the life of Moses. As we look at the book of Exodus... In chapter 1, we begin reading of Israel's sufferings. The people of Israel, they were suffering great hardship. In Exodus 1, beginning with verse 6, it says, And Joseph died, all, all his brothers, and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Why? I think we understand that it's because of God. This was God's people. 
And God blessed them, even in their time in Egypt. But in verse 8, it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh's supply cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. It, it almost reminds us of, of when Jesus was born and the king was afraid of, of someone overtaking the throne except in this case he was more afraid of Israel just growing in number. And maybe they didn't think that they were, were capable of, of going into battle themselves or to try to fight the Egyptians. But if their enemies were to attack them, who's to say that they wouldn't join them? That was the fear. And so we read of the threat to the children born to these Israelites. Exodus 1, beginning with verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that He provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Moses, this great leader, Moses is born in the midst of this threat against the male children. And why the male children? Because males were typically stronger. They would be the ones to go into battle if that were the case. And so they had to be stopped. At least according to Pharaoh. 
But Moses, Moses lives. Exodus 2, beginning with verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him and dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it and laid it in the needs by the river's bank. The reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give, him your wa- give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. This is a story we know well. From our childhood, we're, we're brought up in Bible class being taught of Moses and how he was spared. But despite being raised in the palace, Moses knows his people and favors them above anything Egypt has to offer This is something that we find not in the Old Testament necessarily, but something that we find as we study the New Testament. Turn with me for a moment to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's begin reading at verse 24. Hebrews 11 and verse 24. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Or as other translations put it, the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing Him who is invisible. He chose rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. As we look at Egypt, we see them as as not a, a nation of God, not a nation that served God by any means. Moses knew God's people. Maybe he learned it from his mother. I'm sure that that maybe there were some things that that he learned in that regard. 
But we know that Moses believed in God. Moses was counted with the people of God before being counted as an Egyptian. In the course of time, we read that Moses flees to Midian. When Moses realizes that a sin against an Egyptian is known, a sin that he has committed, he flees to Midian. We pick up reading in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. Exodus 2 verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. I'm reminded in this instance that, that we can look this way and that and you may not see anyone around. But just as you decide to commit a sin, it is known. If by no one else, it is known by God. And it usually happens that our sins will find us out. When Moses feared, he fled. He ran for his life. And as he comes to the land of Midian, he marries, he has children, and he dwells there for 40 years in peace. Until God calls him to his work, delivering his people from their bondage. Something else that we find out from the New Testament is that Moses had previously thought himself to be Israel's deliverer. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And here we read of, of Stephen's sermon. And within this sermon, he gives a history of the people of Israel and he gives a little tidbit of information about Moses as well. In Acts 7, beginning with verse 17, But when the time of the promise drew near which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he, was set, when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Verse 23, 
Now when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. Why? In verse 25, For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and trying to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. At 40 years old, he went out to see his people. And seeing an Egyptian, seeing an Egyptian striking one of his own people, when he saw one of his own people suffering, he defended him and avenged him who was oppressed because he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. Forty years old. But learning that he was wrong in what he did, he fled to Midian for his life. And 40 years later, after being in the land of Midian, Moses does not believe any longer that he is ready, that he is able to lead God's people. Acts chapter 7, beginning with verse 30. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them, and now... Come, I will send you to Egypt. This is also found in Exodus chapter 3. And in verse 11 of Exodus 3 we read, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? And as we read into the rest of of chapter 3 and into chapter 4 of Exodus, Moses begins to offer excuses. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, 
I am has sent me to you. Exodus 4 beginning with verse 1 Then Moses answered and said But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him What is that in your hand? He said a rod. And he said cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And another sign he gave him where he reached his hand in his bosom and he pulled it out and it was leprous did so again and he pulled it out and it was clean. God would use these signs to prove that Moses was going to be their leader. That he had chosen him. In Exodus 4 beginning with verse 10 Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Not me. Anyone you want to use, but not me, Lord. Not me. What happened to the man who 40 years earlier was ready to lead God's people out of their bondage? He'd become older. Maybe he'd become wiser. But he no longer thought that it should be him. But God knew his heart. God knew Moses. And God knew that he was capable of doing the things that he needed him to do. And as we see in the course of time, he was. I, I would dare say that he was more qualified than anyone else. He had great patience in, in most instances. But he had great patience with the people and he cared for the people. He had compassion on the people. He interceded for the people. Could Aaron have done as good a job as Moses did? Probably not. We see Aaron had his, his faults as well. But Moses, Moses was well qualified. He just didn't think he was. In verse 14 of Exodus chapter 4, God's anger is kindled against Moses. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. 
and He Himself shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be to Him as God, and you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the sign. And He did. God wanted Moses. Even though Moses offered many excuses as to why he could not or should not do the work, God wanted Moses for the job. In the next is chapter 4, verse 18. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. We'll pick up there next week, Lord willing. But as I've been trying to to do with this study, I've been trying to pick out certain things that that we can learn from these people and from what we are taught in these books. One of the lessons that we learn here is that the laws made by a government may not necessarily coincide with the will of God. And even today we see laws that are made that that allow for children to be killed almost as they were in the days of of the writing of Exodus. Pharaoh planned to force the death of the male children of Israel but the midwives and Moses' mother in particular show us that God is in control and His will is to be done regardless and God blessed them in their faithfulness to Him God protected them and He protected these children. God had a great plan for the life of Moses. A plan that would not have been if Moses' mother had done as she was expected to do. Had she went along with the plan of Pharaoh, Moses wouldn't have lived. And all these great things that happened in favor of God's people. Well, God may have worked it out with, in some other way. Certainly He can. Certainly He could. But He had a great plan for Moses' life. And I wonder, what kind of plan does God have for the children yet to be born? Another lesson that we learn is from Moses himself. God is not interested in our excuses so much as He is in our obedience. God is not interested in our excuses so much as He is in our obedience. God called on Moses to do this job because He knew Moses. He knew his heart. He knew what he was capable of. God calls us today 
He has called each of us to His work and His desire is that we obey Him. There are many that will refuse the call of God But will we? It begins with obedience to the gospel, becoming a Christian, becoming a child of God. By faith, obeying. In repentance, confession of faith. and baptism for the remission of sins. It's found in our faithful service. God has called us to faithfully live for Him and to do His will. And He's called us to faithfulness to the very end of our lives. I can't help but be reminded of, of a promise that was made to a certain church. The church of Smyrna, the church that was persecuted. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And that promise is made to all of us as Christians. It's the same for each of us. If we remain faithful, then we are promised the crown of life. We are promised a home in heaven with God if we remain faithful. I remember in a Bible class, several Bible classes, we, we did a study on this. As a matter of fact, I taught the classes. We did a study on the, the seven churches of Asia. And every week, as we studied each of the, the seven churches, there was one gentleman that always said at the very end of every class, what if I don't overcome? I don't want to imagine what if I don't overcome? And God has called me to faithful service. Told me what I needed to do. When I have the ability to do it, I can overcome. Each of those churches was encouraged to overcome. And we are promised that if we remain faithful, that we will be given a crown of life. By faith, we believe that Jesus will one day return for us to receive us unto Himself. As He Himself said in John 14, as we were told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When He comes... Will you be found faithful? Will you be found offering excuses like Moses did? God wants our obedience, not our excuses. If you're in need of obeying the gospel, then certainly we give you that opportunity. If you've not been faithful, if you need to come back, you can be restored to the family of God. If you need to, to ask for prayer, for forgiveness, for help in any way, we would be glad to assist you if we, we can. Please give us that opportunity.
That's the other way standing. That's what's saying. Uh, let's play. Go. Oh.